right, so another episode, another guest episode of The Ceiling is the Roof, which is what we call this little thing that we do, uh, our end of week podcast, but it is Tuesday. I know it's very confusing. Okay. Yeah, I'm, but I'm the, with you guys. The name of the podcast is The Ceiling is the Roof. Okay. Do you know, this is George Gallinopoulos, number one. Yeah. Head coach. Texas Legends. Congratulations, by the way. Thanks so much. That's awesome, man. Appreciate you guys having me. Thanks yeah, so yeah. much. Hey. Yeah. Uh, I'm Mike. He's Bobby. He's George. We always start the podcast with the same series of questions. Do you know where the ceiling is the roof came from? And what would that mean to you if I came up to you and I was like, bro, ceiling is the roof. So that's that was Michael Jordan, yes. right, at the UNC basketball yeah. game. Yes. Um, I haven't done my research on what exactly that means, <laughs> and I think the everybody's quip with it is that it doesn't make sense, right? Is that what it comes down to? Accurate. Yeah. Only if you want it to not yeah. make sense. Well, I mean, we use the open term ceiling. Third, third eye. Yeah, and that's what I'm thinking. Okay, yeah. so we'll open it up. I'm pretty sure... <laughs> That when you refer to somebody's ceiling, right? Like there's no ceiling. Like that's something really positive, right? right? Uh huh. Um, when you when you're putting a ceiling on it, like the roof, that that means that <laughs> it's not limitless. The potential yeah. is not limitless, right? Like it uh-huh. stops at the roof. I uh-huh. don't know. I don't know. I just it sounded kind of sideways to me. So I just never really thought much about it other than that. So I've kind of come around on it and thought like, well, you know, it grows in, on in you, that it? arena. It changes. They probably have banners. For and where do you sure. hang the banners from? Oh, the, you're going like physical. The bottom side okay. of the roof. So has he been asked before, like, Michael, what did that mean? Whenever no. he comes on our podcast, we'll ask yeah. him. Yeah, the first chance I get, <laughs> Yeah, 100%. I didn't see him in Charlotte at All-Star. I was hoping he was there during All-Star last year because I just wanted to be like, um, yes, Mr. Jordan, greatest basketball player of all time. Uh, love Space Jam. Um, what did you mean when you said the ceiling is the roof? What if he has a really insightful answer? You never he know. might. You I, never I'm know. assuming he would say he would explain it the same way I do, which is that, man, I don't know. I was just getting off the golf course and I had drank a little bit that day, and it just, uh, it just kind of came out. Hey, which is fine. Nothing wrong with having a good time at at your old college campus. <laughs> Honestly, the first thing I'm going to do after this is probably Google. The ceiling <laughs> is the roof. Has Michael been asked this question? Like, I'm going to do a little bit of research on it. Get back to you guys. All right, there you go. Yeah. So that's how we start every interview. Okay. Is giving me and some people like get like really into it. Like they're like. Man, get really deep and get all like inside the actor's Isaiah studio. Isaiah got into you. it. Yeah, Isaiah had a decent explanation, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah, he did. It doesn't mean anything. So I haven't lost too much sleep over it until now. But <laughs> <laughs> tonight you're going to wake up yeah, at yeah. Tonight, tonight, that's my Google. Yeah. Tonight, so the roof yeah. is yeah. the potential. <laughs> um, well, yeah, man. Thanks for joining us. Uh, welcome back down here. I know you're yeah. up in Frisco now. You moved, moved, and everything all settled in. Not moved. So my lease up there will start. In uh, a couple months, and okay. then my lease, ironically enough, ends in Dallas in Perfect a couple time. months too. Yeah, so I'll uh, I'll head out of here and up to Frisco and be there officially. But for now, there's still a lot to do here at uh, the Mavericks facility. There's guys working out. Mm-hmm. You know, Isaiah's in town. There's five or six guys also. Um, we'll get the two-way guys in here in a couple weeks too. So it'll be fun. I'll still be spending a lot of time here as well. So. It's really ramping up, man. You get you kind of getting. I'm sure you're excited because your first season, obviously, but like it's like almost time. Yeah, I'm excited. What the best part about this time of year when guys start to trickle in is that it it obviously lets you know that the season is upon us basically but it's just good to get on the court and get to work with guys again it's a low pressure environment uh guys are just getting back in it building camaraderie a little bit Uh, it's just a very loose atmosphere they're playing pickup Uh, it's just an opportunity to get out there and and see everybody again and it's like summer break is over type thing you know um so yeah i'm excited for it for sure so you know bobby a little bit just from working here and Diming him up a couple times and pick up basketball. Attempting yeah. to. Attempting to. I was going to ask. Didn't so, convert. So you used to be a video coordinator for the Mavs before yep. taking the, the head coaching job. And so you have access to all the tapes. And yep. so what I want to know is how often <laughs> did you and Brian Grant and maybe even Shed, maybe even call Rick over and say, hey, Rick, yeah. look at this. Look at this guy. I missed that layup. Yeah. Oh, my God. Bobby airballed three threes last night. Check it out. So I will, I'll be honest with you. As, as Brian Grant is my witness – we did talk about how we did enjoy playing on your team because you know how to play. Oh, wow. You talk, you, you know, I mean, you engage <laughs> you in conversation. Yeah, everyone's like, better than you, and you get rid of the ball. Oh, real yeah, quick. Yeah, you're yeah. not I'm just not out there I'm chucking. Like, you're out there. You know how to play. So we mm. appreciate that about guys that play pickup because I'm not the most talented, but I pride myself on trying to play the right way. Compared you're, to us, you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm on my coaching game. I just know how to pass and tell yeah. people where to go. But, uh, 
Yeah, no, you know how to play for sure. Yeah, so well, we having access it. to that footage, you basically have a lot of blackmail material the over all of us. So yeah, if, yeah. if we Please. ever wrong you, you can definitely make us look very bad online. Delete the hard drive. Yeah, I'll keep all that in mind for sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you were uh, video coordinator for the Mavs. If people don't know about your journey, man, you've kind of been everywhere, done everything. So you started with the Bulls way back when. Yeah. Indiana University, you did some stuff. Then Bakersfield Jam, you went to New Zealand, you came to the Mavs, you're part of Pro's Army, you worked for the Legends, you got on a national team, Mavs, and now with the Legends again, and you're what, 31 years old? 30. 30 years old? Mike? Yeah, 30. Mike, what what are you doing these days? I'm uh, interviewing George on yeah. the podcast, so everything's going great. Dude, I mean, that I've is... I've accomplished a lot too, Bobby. <laughs> not only Thanks. are you... Yeah, well, no, you have. You have. He doesn't, don't, have a, he doesn't don't have let him do you like that, Mike. <laughs> he doesn't have an Emmy. That's <laughs> true. Have an Emmy. That's true. What's I have up? zero EGOT trophies. Uh, I mean, you're at a you're coaching at a very high level now, yep. like the the Mavericks G League affiliate. I mean, it's it's awesome. You're coaching future NBA players, current NBA players. Uh, you're 30 years old. Does it feel like holy? Crap? Life seems like it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's crazy. Yeah, I'm I'm obviously super grateful and uh and appreciative for the opportunity um you know obviously it's something that's going to be a very new experience for me i'm well aware that um i have a lot to go through i have a lot to learn and i'm okay with that uh, i'm just going to use every experience that i've had to this point every interaction that i've had all the moments that i've had up to this point wherever i've been to help these players get better to help the staff get better to help the organization to be good in the community that's really all i could do at this point um and just make sure that I keep an open mind, keep an open mind to a lot of the experiences that I haven't had yet that I'm going to go through uh, personally. And I'm excited to learn from those as well. And again, just use everything uh, that I've gone through to help these players get better and to help the Mavericks win basketball games ultimately and just to help people be better people, be better professionals and be better versions of themselves. Um, I know it sounds pretty general and maybe a little bit corny, but it's the truth. You know, I, I take pride in the fact that I'm in a leadership role more than I am you know, somebody operating X's and O's on a board. Um, so I, I take pride in that, and I'm going to do the best that I can to just, you know, like I said, use those experiences to try to help everybody in the organization. We'll see where it goes. So you don't get to this point without some work ethic, some long days, sure. some long months, some long years in there. But also on the other side of that is you probably have some pretty good ideas if you get to this level about how to play basketball and how it happens and what exactly you want to see and just game theory in general. Yeah. So if I were to ask you what – would a George Galanopoulos team look like, ideally, if you have the talent to do exactly what you want? What does that team look like? What do they run? What positions are you like? That's the most important position in basketball. Yeah. You know, you don't got to go through the whole the whole book. People have written books on this. You don't got to do that. But just tell me kind of a, an overview. Sure. Well, a lot of it depends on the players you have, obviously. Uh, you, you have to... Um, adjust and tweak based on your personnel. So not every team could play the same exact way. But if I have an I ideal team necessarily, that I think you know should play a certain way. Got to be tough defensively. Uh, Got to be a talking, yelling team. Uh, high level communicators. Um, Got to be together. Right. Got to play defense on a string. Uh, like to run. I like our teams to play with pace. Basically the way that the Mavs want to play. And it's funny because right now, just based on the way the rosters showing up with our two way guys, even. Um, you know, we have those are two tough defenders that we got, you know, so uh, we're going to pride ourselves on defense. We're going to be tough defensively. We're going to be able to switch guys guarding multiple positions um, and we're going to share the ball offensively. I think that that's something that, um, you know, guys should take pride in, especially as they're trying to move up and find a role in the NBA and with the Mavericks is you got to know how to play and you got to know how to play the right way. And uh, that's something that we're going to pride ourselves on. We're going to preach every single day, playing defense, knowing your job, doing your job. Being a good teammate, you know, that's important too. You know, making sure that guys support each other. It's all of that plays, you know, very significant role in the final product that you see by the end of the season. So, so there are three guys that are on the Mavericks slash two way dudes that uh, you have experience with as recently as this summer. Sure. I know Roby, only known for a couple months, but uh, Cleveland and Reeves the same way a couple months, but Cleveland was here a couple years ago. So give me a, a a loose scout on those guys. What do they bring? I guess we can start with Reeves, Cleveland, yeah. then Roby. Uh, if a Mavericks fan didn't watch any of Summer League, didn't watch any of college work at Penn State or Nebraska, or, yeah. where'd Cleveland go? Uh, he was Southeast Missouri State, four so years. I knew he'd know that. Yep. That's why I asked. But uh, Southeast that's Missouri why I didn't State. say anything, because I knew that he was going to say <laughs> Southeast Missouri State, Ohio Valley, or is it Missouri Valley? 
I do not know off the top okay. of my head. Something yeah, I, I should know, but yeah, yeah, yeah. controversy. Yeah. Um, Bobby, you should know that. Come on. I, I really should. <laughs> so give me a loose scout on Reeves, uh, Cleveland, and Roby and what they bring to the table and why they're going to be big players on your team and maybe the big squad uh, next year. Sure. So we'll start with Josh Reeves. Mm -hmm. Playmaking wing. He's about 6'4". Uh, very, very elite defender already. Uh, that's something that was his MO coming out of college. Uh, can shoot the three ball, something that needs to become even more consistent at the three-point level or the NBA level, especially with the three-point line moving back. Uh, but definitely capable. He's got good mechanics. I think it's something that with his work ethic and his attitude, which is very good, uh, it will translate for sure. Uh, one thing that really impressed me seeing him in summer league and also uh, at Gerg's camp in Vegas a couple weeks ago was his ability to play the point guard. Uh, he's got a natural feel for the game, knows how to play. Uh, some guys that are thrusted into that role uh, that maybe didn't play uh, predominantly point guard in college or wherever they played uh, might not know exactly how to play. It might freeze up, um, you know, might try to play differently than, than they're used to. But it was a seamless transition for him. He looked really comfortable. So, you know, that might be something that you see this year in certain lineups, him playing a little bit of the point, handling it. Um, so yeah, playmaking wing, elite defender, great guy, as, as are all the guys that we have. Um, Antonius Cleveland, you know, he's been in the league a little bit longer. You know, he's had a little bit more experience, I think 26, 27 years old. Uh, he's about 6'6", six, six, another wing defender, can guard multiple positions, super tough, great kid, works really, really hard. Got to get his three-point shot a little bit more consistent. You know, I think with him, if we can get him knocking down open threes and stepping into them really comfortably, it opens up the rest of his game. You know, right now, I think the scouting report would say he's more of a driver, you know, sag off, make sure we take away his drives to the basket. As you saw in summer league, his ability, you know, to Euro step a defender, take one dribble, two big steps into a finish. Um, he's very long, very athletic. Um, you know, he's somebody that if we can, if we can help him get to that three point shot, which I'm confident he will, and we all are, uh, it'll open up everything for his game. He should be helping out the math for a long time at that point. Uh, Isaiah Roby, uh, very versatile. You know, right now he's, you know, you might call him like a four slash five, but he can handle it from the wing as well. I think that's something that we saw in summer league as we move towards this era of positionless basketball. He's a perfect candidate as a big that can take it and uh, you know, take it off the boards and bring it up the court himself. He can make plays for others, and that's something that we even saw him pick up today. Uh, where he was driving off the wing, driving, kicking, relocating, almost playing like a guard at certain points. So uh, he's somebody that offers us a, a very dynamic, you know, big man, quote unquote, uh, that has a pretty versatile skill set. So he's another one that if we can get him knocking down shots at a very comfortable clip, um, you know, I think that that opens up everything else and, you know, allows him to potentially dominate and then the, the sky's the limit for him, not the roof hey. <laughs> at that point. So going back to Cleveland, uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought up like the slasher sort of driving game because he was super smooth in Vegas. I mean, yeah. he was like very clearly the best player on the court. It seemed like most of the time, like he could just get a shot off whenever he wanted. Yeah. But I don't remember that being the case so much two years ago whenever he was up here. So is that something that developed later? I mean, is he kind of like a, a late bloomer kind of guy or is it just the opportunity was there and he just got the the number of touches to, to be able to kind of show it off. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, everybody's learning curve is a little bit different. So, you know, wherever he's been since he was with the Mavericks, I don't know if those guys have done a good job coaching him, if they specifically have watched film with him about, hey, this is these are your spots and opportunities where you can, you know, cut. You know, he's a great offensive rebounder. He's got an uncanny ability to rebound the basketball and just, you know, some guys have a knack for where the ball is going to go. Um, you know, see, so he's a great offensive rebounder. Like you said, moves well, cuts well. From the last time that we saw him a few years ago with us, he, I think he simply, he knows how to play the game more effectively and he's just making better reads. So maybe that's something he's practiced. Maybe it's just naturally playing the game. He's gotten a lot of playing experience. He's played in the G League a couple of years. Um, so he's gotten that you know, high level game experience, which is really, really important. And maybe he's gotten coached well too. Mm. You know. And Reeves too on draft night, that was one of the 61st pick guys, right? Where I'm leaving the arena after the second round and you get the Woj tweet that they that the Mavs signed him. Mm -hmm. And then he goes out and basically earns a contract in Vegas. It was incredible. But he went from in like two weeks, no one knowing who he was, to now he's like Mavs Twitter's favorite mm -hmm. player. Right. I mean, like, are you... He can I, dunk pretty cool too. It's yeah, just, yeah, no, he's awesome. Doesn't hurt. He's awesome. Uh, how quickly did he win you over? I mean, how, how familiar, I guess, even before that, how familiar were you with him coming out of college? I mean, had you ever seen him play? And then yeah. once you get him on the roster, how excited are you now after watching him play? Be like, oh, my God, this guy's kind of a badass. Yeah, I'd, I'd seen a little bit of him. I wasn't super familiar with him. You know, I, 
I, I wasn't as involved in the draft because I'd gone out to Africa to coach the Uganda national team. And, um, and then when I came back, it was almost like a lot of these guys had a clean slate. I was just coming in kind of blindly and just seeing, hey, you know, who's who's good, who's not? You know what I mean? What, what are these guys, you know, with no preconceived notion of who they were? Uh, and what stood out to me about Josh was that he's just a competitor. And he plays so hard. And, um, you know, especially defensively, he, he's got these instincts that you just can't teach. You know, so just being able to come up with, you know, a steal here, a steal there, just be able to cut somebody off on a closeout that is that's really, really hard to do for a lot of guys. Uh, he made it look easy at times. And he impacted the game on the defensive end in ways that a lot of people just can't. Um, and then offensively, just he's got a swagger about him too. You know, he plays so hard, but it's not just blindly running around playing hard. Like, he competes at a very, like, comfortable speed. You know, he plays at a pace that shows that he belongs, and that's something that stood out to me. He's got a little chip on his shoulder, but in a very healthy, good way that, um, you know, shows that he might, he might be a player in the NBA, not just a two-way guy for, you know, the next 9, 10, 11 years. Mm-hmm. Bobby read down the resume earlier, and it's obviously a lot of different destinations, a lot of travel. It tells me you're willing to do almost anything yeah. to get your career where you want it to be. Sure. Um, the Uganda stuff is super interesting to me. Yeah. Because going halfway across the world, walking into a gym of with dudes that you don't know them, they don't know you, they don't know your culture, you don't understand their culture 100%. The one thing you have in common is this game that y'all are about to play. Right. So you walk into that gym with dudes you don't know, that don't quite understand each other's culture all the way. What do you say to them that's like translates to, let's go, boys. Let's go kick somebody's ass. Like, yeah. What was your first like practice or meeting with that team like? Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. Obviously, you can you can prep for as much as you want as a coach. You know, I could write up a practice plan. I could write up what I want to do uh, that I think you know we're going to need to do in order to compete at that level. But again, you go through things, and the only way you learn is through the experience. So I had you know a ton of things on the first practice plan uh, that I wanted to do, and I think we got through like two things. You know, <laughs> we got through like two plays just because the language barrier was a little bit bigger than I thought it was going to be, even though they speak English. Uh, you know, I got a little bit of a Chicago accent, people tell me, or at least mm. they used to tell me. Um, so when I get talking fast, some of these guys just didn't, you know, understand certain things. So you got to slow it down, uh, which I'm really grateful for because it made me um, made me a better communicator, made me a little more self-aware of, okay, like this is how you communicate more clearly. Um, you know, this is, this is how I need to adapt to where I am, you know. So just because we both speak English doesn't mean that, you understand exactly what I'm telling you. You know, the basketball terminology is a lot different. So uh, the, the first meeting, uh, they won't tell me this. I, you know, they haven't told me this. Maybe they didn't understand some of the things I said. But, you know, one of the first things, first and foremost, was just like, look, we're here to win, right? If there's anybody here that doesn't think that we're going to compete to win these games because they had trouble competing to win mm-hmm. games over the last couple of years, get up and leave now. That was my first message was if there's somebody here that doesn't think that we're going to compete to win, Pack your bags and leave because mm-hmm. we're, we're rolling with people that we're expecting to win. Um, and we didn't, unfortunately, going into it. But that, that at least to me was like, here, no matter what terminology we have, no matter what our beliefs are, no matter what different cultures we come from, we're here to compete and win basketball games. And, you know, what we're going to do to get there, you know, we'll talk about and we'll do every single day and we'll build team camaraderie. We will get to know each other and we'll care about each other and, you know, all that stuff. But... Um, let's just understand first and foremost, like we are here to compete to win basketball games and we should expect to. Um, and then everything just kind of, you know, built from there. So um, it's, it's been an incredible experience. And I think the greatest part about it is that, you know, when you can, when you can get out to a completely different country, especially, you know, somewhere like Africa, it just opens up your perspective as a coach, as a person. Um, it makes you appreciate so many things and, you know, how many different backgrounds there are to so many different people. Um, every length of the world, you know. So it's something that's been it's been really gratifying to be able to get out there and just explore a whole new part of the world and meet a whole different group of people. Mm. So it feels like a very like Mighty Ducks, Cool Runnings, like air up there moment where yeah. it's like that first meeting, like the coach just says something epic and everybody just starts cheering and they go charge into the gym or something. But that's scripted. That's not real life. Yeah. That's not how it happens. You go in there and you're like, everybody know what I'm saying right now? Like, yeah, are we good? Right. Are we good? What do you, what are y'all running right now? Ah oh, crap. Okay, we're gonna. This gonna take a while. Yeah. Like it just seems like the most difficult thing on earth, and throwing yourself into that 
is, is admirable. It really is. It's it's really cool thing of you to have done and to keep doing. I assume. I know you worked with them this summer a little bit. Yeah. Um, last three summers. Last three summers. Yeah. And moving forward, that's that's awesome, man. Yeah. No, it's it's a great experience. I'm I'm willing to coach it as long as I'm able to, and that and as long as they'll have me and. Uh, you know, my contract with the Mavs and the Legends will allow me to do it. Uh, the Mavs have been – that's the best part about it is that the Mavericks have been uh, um, unconditionally supportive of me doing that. You know, even when there's been stuff going on when I was in the video room during draft time, they they supported me 100% to go out there and do it. They think it's a great opportunity. Um, obviously, our management, you know, loves international basketball, right? Donnie Nelson uh, was helping coach the Lithuanian team a long time ago. Tony Ronzoni, all those guys. They've so much international experience that they really appreciated the fact that I did that. So I'm, I'm so grateful to them that they've allowed me to continue to do it for sure at the expense of, you know, my job here for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, and with Amadou Galafal over there really helping grow NBA Africa, I mean, it just seems like the game is becoming so much bigger over there too. So, like, you being over there, being able to see this happen firsthand, how – how much, I guess, has the game grown in Africa, even in the two, three years that you've been over there? It's grown yeah. a lot. Yeah. I, I think what, what's growing now with the NBA is the awareness that there's a lot of really talented players over there. Um, and the bottom line is that soccer is still the most popular sport. And, um, you know, it's very accessible to them when they're younger. And there's some guys out there that are 15, 16 years old, six, seven, six, eight. They haven't touched a basketball before, you know. So when they run these these clinics, Masai Ujiri running Giants of Africa, I, I the pleasure of uh, um, and the opportunity to go coach over at that camp for, uh, for Uganda. Guys are six, seven, six, eight. They haven't dribbled before, you know. So what they're trying to do now with the NBA and getting those players is to introduce them to this game um, that will offer them potentially a lot of opportunity. And it's not just hey, you know, you're six, seven, you're six, eight. You can play this game and, and potentially go to the states. And yes, it offers opportunity, but it's also another team sport that you can play. Um, it's something that I think teaches so many good life lessons, in my opinion. That's what they're teaching over there, too. NBA Africa and you know, Masai Ujiri, like the message that they're sending these players is really, really positive, and it's the right message. It's, it's not just basketball. It's like we are teaching you about life and that basketball is, is an avenue through life if you want it to be. Um, so they're teaching really, really good habits and values to those guys, which I think is the most incredible part about it. So um, this is only the beginning, I think. Uh, you know, there's been some people that have said uh, that, you know, there should be a director of African scouting for every NBA team at some point in the next 10 years. I, I think you'll see that. I really yep. will. You know, some teams have already started. Toronto, you know, they got a leg up on everybody, and they got people over there scouting these players from the time they're 13, 14 years old. Wow. Um, and that's that's how it's done. I mean, it's an you enormous know. continent. And no, it really it's, is. It's way bigger, way bigger than Europe. I mean, five, six times bigger than Europe, way more people than Europe. I yep. mean, it does make sense to have someone who's – that's their job. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like I said, the NBA Africa, this is just – it's an incredible opportunity for the kids. Um, you know, the infrastructure was not as solid and has not been as solid as, as it potentially could be. Um, and the NBA is just trying to help as much as they can to pump as much resource into it as possible. And um, I think it's only going to take off from here. So. That's awesome. How long yeah. were you in uh, New Zealand coaching and scouting? Or I was in New was? Zealand for about four months. Yeah. So their season goes from March until, what was it, like late June or early July. So I was able to come back uh, for summer league and then still try to look for a job. That was the reason I went out to New Zealand in the first place was that after uh, my stop in Bakersfield um, – I was I was unemployed after that. I yeah. went to summer league, tried to get a job, you know, the whole bit, emailing guys, calling, just trying to get anything. Um, and I didn't have anything by November. You know, a couple opportunities fell through, and I was unemployed, just you know, working guys out and trying to find an opportunity back home in Chicago. And then this New Zealand opportunity came up, and I said, "Screw it, <laughs> why not?" You know, yeah. what I mean, I think it'd be pretty cool opportunity to travel the world. Heard good things about New Zealand. Um, yeah, I was there for about three, four months. I'd love to go back again, not coaching basketball, just yeah. kind of explore. But um, it was awesome. It was a great opportunity. Really humbling, too, you know, being out of the game for a little bit. And, uh, you know, you don't know what you got till it's gone type thing, right? Yeah. So you realize how, you know, how fortunate you were to be in the G League for a few years in Bakersfield and then just kind of taken from you. You got to go all the way out to New Zealand. But all good opportunities, um, you know, broadened my perspective a lot mm-hmm. on everything. So it was awesome. What uh, what team? What city did you live in? I I went there last year. Okay. 11, yeah. So you know 11, about it. Eleven days in April, and I'm like, "There's a basketball league. Like, where is it?" Yeah. <laughs> as, I'm, as I'm like driving through like the countryside. So I was in Napier. 
uh, okay. Hawks Bay, which is the Northeast Island. Okay. Um, a yeah. couple hours from Auckland, uh-huh. I think. Where were you? Uh, we flew into Auckland, went to Christchurch, Akaroa, Teano, Milford Sound, okay. Queenstown. Yes, yeah, so we went all the way down the South Island. It was awesome, right? Dude, it's incredible. It's yeah. the most insane. I'm like, every every stop we made, I was like, people are allowed to live here? Yeah. Like, why? Yeah. <laughs> super <laughs> like nice so people, incredible. too. Oh, yeah. yeah great culture, They're nice charming, people. super friendly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great spot, man. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think uh, Tony coached there for a little bit too oh, right? Zoni, whenever we talked to him last yep. year he's well connected over yeah, there for yeah. sure yeah well, that's just fascinating matrix owns a team down there now too does he really owns a team i think sydney kings yeah. yeah okay yeah so that is the uh they're in the australian yeah. nbl and it's the new zealand breakers that is obviously a new zealand mm-hmm. team that plays in that in league as well and then the uh, the new zealand nbl is uh all new zealand teams okay yeah gotcha, gotcha. Okay. yeah and then the australian nbl is is a, a league that's a little bit better that goes during the NBA season. Okay. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. both two good two good leagues though, and obviously a great opportunity for me to go out there and yeah. see a different part of the world and coach hoops. So that's very cool. Yeah. Um, you were roommates with uh, Mike Schmitz at uh, was that Bakersfield? Was that with yeah, the, Bakersfield yeah. Jam. I think it was uh, 2012, 13 season. That's awesome, man. Um, obviously, kind of a hero of ours of somebody that started doing that kind of stuff and. Yeah. Me and him are probably amateur little Smiths in our own mind where we'll watch guys and get to know, you know, top 50 players. And at some point a couple of years ago, it was him and what's his buddy? What's the other? Uh, Jonathan Gibbony? Yeah. Gavoni? Gavoni. Gavoni. Yeah, yeah. Um, they started doing their thing and it's, you're just sitting there going, yes, please, please be successful at this so that next people can do it, you know? Right. So that there's five people that do this instead right. of like two that work for ESPN. Um, and there was this, this empty like space that a fan base wasn't getting served in. And it was people that wanted to know about the draft, but didn't want to hear about it just on draft night. Right. You know, just Bill Simmons talking on draft night about what the Celtics are doing and not really covering or giving you any kind of insight of the players besides just reading one paragraph on them. Yeah. And so Smits and Gavoni started doing Draft Express, which I'm sure everybody that's super nerdy about basketball was into. And now it's, you know, they are what they are. They're, they're a staple of ESPN. They're huge from... I guess probably February until like last month. Well, Schmitz never stops too. Yeah, man. they never He's stop. They're Europe traveling right constantly. Yeah, they're all over the world, like scouting kids. And uh, did you did you think at that time like this guy's gonna be? He's gonna do this. He's gonna make a career of this. Yeah, yeah, I I did. And there's a couple reasons why. One. I believe in good, hardworking people, and he's an incredible guy, one of my best friends. We really hit it off, you know, from the moment we were living together and we were, you know, at the facility all the time. And when I would come back, so my role at that time was player development coach. So I handled all the, like, the late-night workouts. We had a private facility at the time, so, you know, guys sometimes would come in, do late-night shooting, 10 to 11 o'clock, whatever. Um, I'd come back at, like, 11 p.m. sometimes, and, and Schmitz would be in his bed after being the assistant video coordinator for the Bakersfield Gym sending videos to Gavoni. He was also working for Draft mm-hmm. Express on the side. Um, you know, his eyes would be bloodshot red on his bed, <laughs> just like doing these. And he'd be doing that until like two, three in the morning. So he was basically doing two jobs and he was doing it like full force sleeping, like four or five hours a night. Wow. And he was talented too. It wasn't just blind hard work. Like he, he was talented. It was a strength of his, um, no pun intended with the strength, strengths and weaknesses video. But, uh, <laughs> the the things sleep. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just get the hip hop track going in the background. Right. We'll just, no, but he, we'll do one. the, the best part about him was that, you know, there, there's a work ethic and he, you know, he and I both, I call it young and dumb or naive, but like, we just both believed that we were going to do this. You know, we believed that we were going to make a career out of it, but we're, there were no shortcuts for it. And that's the best part about him was there was no shortcutting. Like I saw every single day, what that kid went through working two jobs and the assistant video coordinator job at that uh at that time was not an easy job either so he was working you know 18 19 hour days uh, sometimes not sleeping at all and jonathan offered him full time to be with draft express a year later well deserved obviously and and the rest is history but it's just like any other success story people see you know where somebody got to and what they don't realize sometimes or take into account was what they went through to get there. And I, this guy's one of the hardest workers, maybe the hardest worker I've ever been around in my entire life. And he hasn't stopped. He's still everywhere. If you follow his Twitter, he's always in a gym. He's always, he might look like he's in like a middle school gym that's empty, right? Yeah. He's watching like, like second tier Finland. Yeah, like 13 year old Latvian kids. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, but that's, 
that's why he knows. Anytime I've got a question about a player, I'm asking Mike, and he knows like their background, their family life, and we're talking about some like obsolete names sometimes. Um, so it's just it's incredible, but there's no secret to it. The secret has been in his work, his commitment, his love, and his passion for doing it. Um, and you know, he found something that that he was good at too. You know, so does coming up the way that you did going through the G League. I mean, does that kind of help you? Connect with the players more, kind of understand what they're doing. I mean, the, the guys that you're coaching that are going to be trying to realize their dream. I mean, you're trying to realize your dream too. Eight years ago, whenever you were with Bakersfield, and even still now, um, does going through the same experience that they're going through kind of help you sort of understand or relate to them maybe more than you would if you were just whatever an assistant coach at the NBA and then you came down to coach the the G League team? Yeah, I, I hope so. You know, I I would never use what I've done to my advantage in a conversation with a player um, to say, hey, I've gone through this, so you should listen to me. You know, that that's never the right approach. Um, and I, I don't believe in that by any means. Everybody's different, and everybody has a different path. And I think my path, the way it can relate to a player's is, look, we're human beings. We've all gone through hardships at some point. Like, you've been looking for a job before. I've been unemployed looking for a job, too. Right? It sucks. Um, you know, here's, here's how I got out of it. You know, I at the end of the day, you got to stick with it and have an unrelenting belief that things are going to work out. Like just for example, if, if I can give that message to a player and help him believe that if you just stick with the process every single day and believe in you know where you're going to be and how to get there um, and your approach every single day to it, you know that's a win in my book. You know, hopefully that's where I think we can relate to each other as far as our paths. Um, it's different coaching and playing, obviously, and um, there's – you know, we tell players all the time as coaches to be really patient. Um, the bottom line is that a player's shelf life is for their career is a lot shorter than a coach's. Um, it's easy to tell me, be patient, just work your way up, because I could coach on you know, 60 or 70, hopefully. You know, knock on wood, that'd be great. Um, it's different for players. So you just got to be careful with your messaging, I think, in trying to relate to their story um, and trying to get them to, like I said before, just be their best selves and help them with their approach every single day and have them believe that things are going to work out if you do this. So I'm hoping that, you know, maybe my experiences there can, can help as best as possible. I feel like across the NBA, the NBA media and people that cover the game and the most popular outlets over the years haven't done, like, a great job in educating fans and getting them closer to the game and understanding exactly what wins and things like that. I think we're getting better at it. It's kind of the reason why we do a podcast like this where we talk to smart people and get good ideas out there and get inside information and things sure. like that. Um, but now that you spent some time in the league, what is the number one thing that a general fan does not have right or misunderstands about either player development or just the league in general? I'm not sure the average fan understands the amount of work and game planning that goes into the standard NBA game that you're watching on Wednesday night, for example. Um, both the players and the coaching staff, both behind the, high, behind the scenes with medical staffs and training staffs and equipment managers, uh, interns, it, there's so much involved in the game now and there's so many people that are involved in making this thing go. Um, that's just the result that you're watching. It's just like we were talking about with you know seeing somebody's career or something. All you see is like the result, but you don't see everything that came before it. It's the same idea. You know, everybody can go on Twitter and criticize for you know what were they doing at the end of the game here, this, that. I wish more coaches would explain specifically what their game plan is. They can't give it away all the time, right? They can only give the uh, the fans and the media so much information. But there's so much that goes into it: scouting, game planning, discussions, meetings about how they're going to guard the pick and roll between these two players. Um, and it's just something that unless you're in it every single day, even as a basketball fan, I didn't see those things at 22, 23 years old. Um, I thought I did. I thought I knew everything at the time, but you realize that once you come in it um, and you're in these conversations every single day with coaches and you see how much goes into it, it's a lot, and you just empathize a little bit more, right? And it just gives you more of an appreciation for the work people are putting in and how good these players are too, um, how talented they are, the work that they put um, into their bodies every single day. You know, these guys are incredible. They're pros, you know, and it's it's gotten to the point now where 
it's it's not like it was in in the 70s where they would just take off for the summer maybe you know there's now everybody's got a trainer and now we have so much more information oh it's workout um, season right now on yeah it's workout yeah it's there you go season. yeah exactly <laughs> you know guys, guys are going vegan now right because there's more information resources about how you should eat and how you should take care of your body it's it's amazing the dedication um across the board from so many people in this industry now um, and that's just what i wish maybe some people would would see and maybe just appreciate more mm-hmm. You go ahead. Uh, working under Rick for a couple seasons, he's a he's a strong personality. We can say that, um, but obviously a very 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 good coach. Right, yeah. always gets the most out of his players, especially guys that are on the end of the roster that maybe got cut from their last team and they come here and then next thing you know they're making money. Sure. Um, and in in Frisco, you're going to be running a lot of Rick sets, I would think. You know, kind of the similar system, but I guess. As the coach of the of the legends, where's the balance between trying to be sort of the extension of Rick's system versus sure. imposing kind of your own sort of philosophy? Where's the balance between trying to compete for wins and trying to help the guys that might need the you know NBA seasoning? Like, what? How do you juggle kind of like coaching to win, coaching for yourself versus trying to help the Mavericks? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, it's you know. The experience for me personally is going to take care of itself. I just I believe that, um, and and that's what it is. I honestly don't really think about that as far as how it's going to help me in this great opportunity. We talked about it. You know that that's what it is. My approach to this and our staff's approach is going to be development and being under the Mavericks umbrella. You know, first and foremost, we want to make sure that we're creating uh, a culture, an environment, and implementing a system where the players that you know, whose rights are owned by the Mavericks, two-way players, guy like Isaiah Roby who might join us this year, is that there is a seamless transition once they come down to the G League and then go back up. So our overall system, our actions on both ends of the court, defense and offense, the terminology, that all needs to be the same. So that if they come down and go back up, it's been a seamless transition down and then a seamless transition back up. Um, we obviously cannot run as many plays as the Mavericks do because of the continuity of the roster. So there's just less things that you can actually implement um, because of how fluid it is and the roster turnover and the change. So you want to keep it more simple for guys. But as far as the system's concerned, the structure, how we want them to play, that's going to be the same and the terminology as well. So that's the key. But, you know, the, the great thing about uh, you know, being the head coach and making decisions is, you know, do I have to run every single one of Rick Carlisle's ATOs? Not necessarily. Um, I don't have to at all. I don't think he's, he hasn't told me yet. Right. <laughs> but, um, you know, if I see something I like in the Mavs game, I, I might use it. If there's something I've seen somewhere else, um, you know, it's been used against us in Uganda. You know, I, I could use that, you know, to get a bucket out of a timeout. Um, a lot of it depends on our personnel and who we have on the court. At the end of the day, since it's all about development, the way that um, you know, you create an environment that fosters the development of these players as best you can is to put them in position to succeed. You know, we're not going to have the same exact players as the Mavericks, uh, but we're going to try to develop these guys in such a way that will further their careers, either help the Mavericks or for these other G League guys that are free agent for 29 other teams, you know, hopefully somebody calls them up. Um, you know, that's the luxury, obviously, of having the G League contract and, um, you know, being a free agent for 29 teams is anybody can pick you up at any time. Um, but being here with the legends, it offers you know more eyes from from us in this organization on those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're just doing our best to develop those guys, and, um, and we'll see what happens after that. Can you watch a game like in real time and see a team come down and just kind of you're diagnosing where the five guys are going, and you're going, "Oh crap, they're about to run this play on us." I know my guy can't defend that play very well. Uh, nothing I can do about it right now, but next time down, I'm going to correct it. Like, is that how you? in real time can watch a game now that you're at this point in your career? Like if I'm actually the head coach in yeah, a game? Yeah, um, And I know it's kind of new being a head coach. Yeah, but, you know. no, so what I learned uh, in my experience so far in Uganda, obviously a much different level. It's a different game, the mm-hmm. international game from the G League and NBA game. Um, there's a lot going through your head yeah. when you're a head coach. And you, you, what, I, what I've always told people is that I always thought that being a head coach would – make me just a better head coach but what it really did was make me a better assistant coach as well and I think that's going to help me even more being in this head coaching role um, is it makes you a better assistant assistant coach it makes you realize what information you should give the head coach um, because there's a lot 
you know. The game is so fast. The game's going fast, man, and that's why you just watching film is very, very important, you know, to watch games. You know, the first game I watched, I remember I, I almost like blacked out and I was like, wait, what just happened in that game, right? <laughs> we had blown like a 25-point lead and you just forget all these things. It's moving really fast. But when you watch the film afterwards, it helps you reflect and it brings you back to what was going on at that moment. So the more you do that and the more you put in, you know, the focused, concentrated work um, after the game to watch film and then apply what you saw, learned into the next game, then that's where you become better as a head coach as long as you keep an open mind and you really try to learn and focus. Um, so there's there's a lot that goes into it, but I've, I've obviously gotten better with the experience. Um, it's only been, I think, 10 international games that I've coached, but you know you get better at each one, and the last games that we played this year are, are most clear to me than the ones two years ago, you know, naturally. So hopefully I can just use that experience to, to help with this. And it's great to have great assistance, too, mm-hmm. for sure. And that's what I was getting to with my last point is we got great assistance with the Legends um, that I've had great conversations with. And once we get into the thick of the season, they're, they're going to be awesome to help me. It's, this is something I can't do by myself. Any coach that says they can do this by themselves, is, they're, they're wrong. They just can't. It's, it's, it's really difficult, and it's great to have a very valuable staff. So I'm thankful for that. we got a great staff with the Legends. When does camp and everything start for you all? So I know like the season starts first week in November. I think November 8th November is the 8th, season yep. opener. So camp will be after preseason because guys that are trying to make NBA rosters that might get cut or whatever will, sure. will pursue a job with the G League team. So are you involved in training camp with the Mavs too? And then legend stuff picks up or what is kind of your October looking like? Yeah. So I'll be involved with Mavs training camp, which will start, I think October 1st is the date. Um, and then our draft, the G league draft is October 26th. And then our training camp starts October 28th. Also by that point, you know, everything will kick into full gear and, and we'll be ready to go. Mm. So. What you were explaining is uh, from my end, whenever I was growing up, started working in restaurants, they made you work every position yep. for like a day or two, right? If you're going to be a bartender, you're going to be a line cook for a day. You're going to wash dishes for a day. You're going to do food prep for a day. Just so you know how everything works together. And when right. we're talking about being a head coach because it makes you a better assistant coach, that, that clicks in my head of like, I know exactly what that guy needs right now. Right. He needs me to tell him that, you know, such and such might need to come off the floor. He's been slow up and down the court the last two times, that right. type of stuff. And I can see how that can make you a better head coach. Um, and... The other thing I was thinking about when you were explaining that is people get obsessed about like NFL play charting and even like, you know, pitching in baseball of, you know, the art of pitching because it's like a repeatable sequence, right? It starts from this point, that's going to happen next, that's going to happen next. Right. Basketball is so fluid that if you let yourself get a little bit lazy, like I try and watch our games and try and go, oh, I saw that play a little while ago. But even me, whenever it's like, oh, a cool play just happened, I take my eye off it, oh, the ball's at half court and it's gone. As a coach, like, you don't have that luxury. Right. <laughs> you're locked in, and you're in this play as it's happening every single time down the court. Yeah. And it's crazy to me. It's crazy yeah. to think of what the mental exercises you're going through. Yeah. No, there's, there's a lot to see, and that's why having valuable assistance or having you know, really good assistance is valuable because there's a lot going on. You know, somebody's focusing on defense, and there's maybe this guy missed an offensive rebounding opportunity uh, when you – tell guys that they should crash you know maybe this guy didn't get back on defense maybe you thought it was bad one-on-one defense but you know our help wasn't in the right position there's so much going on that you know the better assistance you could have the better help around you uh, the easier it makes your life as a coach because you got to think about substitutions as well that's probably the most difficult thing in my opinion is is substitutions Um, because at the end of the day too some guys might not be happy that they were only in for three minutes you i honestly forgot one of our players one time like one of our better players <laughs> on the bench during one of our games i'm surprised nobody caught it and you know uh, you know wanted to fire me right then on the yeah. spot with uganda but uh, it just happens sometimes you realize like you know you make mistakes and you know i i anticipate this year making a number of mistakes hopefully you don't make the same one twice but uh, you just hope that you know, you keep working, you prepare as best you possibly can. You got the good people around you that are going to help you as best you can. And like you said, doing everybody's job, that's one thing I'm really grateful for with my journey up to this point is that I've been an intern at the absolute lowest level, just, you know, running around, rebounding, wiping up sweat, doing laundry, uh, you know, driving the team van back in Bakersfield, um, being a video coordinator, being a player development coach in the G League, an assistant coach, having all of those roles, um, I think will hopefully help me be a better leader for those people in those roles um, and just better communicate to them maybe how things should be done um, 
you know, talk to them a little bit more about how they can be helpful. Um, also just empathize with them and what they're going through. And, you know, maybe there's somebody too. coaches are human beings too. Maybe there's somebody that needs a pat on the back. You know what I mean? And you're focusing too much on the players. Like that's, that's where you got to see a lot of this from so many different angles as a head coach is you're leading a group of people. Um, that's something that I take a lot of pride in and, and hopefully I'll be able to do an okay job at it. Um, or as best I can, at least having been in all those positions, um, mm-hmm. you know, up to this point. So as, as best that I could be of help to these people, I'm, I'm shooting for that. So what's the, uh, to you, what's the most underrated skill in the NBA? I think I have a, I have an answer and I'll see if you, you agree after you underrated skill. Yeah. Like NBA. obviously people understand like, okay, yeah. that guy's got a crazy handle. That guy's crazy shot making, like yeah, yeah. difficult finishing, um, but people kind of know those, right? Yeah. Um, what's the most underrated thing that you're like, I don't know how this guy's getting it done, but it's got to be this thing. It's got to be this one thing that makes him super valuable. Yeah, so there's a couple. One, I'll give you one on each end, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, playmaking for others mm-hmm. on the offensive end, and if you want to break it down even more, passing. I think passing is, is, is a really underrated skill, um, and it doesn't need to be the flashy pass, the simple drive, read defense, and kick. It sounds really, really simple, uh, but there's a lot of guys that just have blinders on when they're driving to the basket because they're looking to score. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they just don't see defense, not dribbling with their head up, whatever the case may be. Well, and how the ball um, gets to the guy they're passing it to, right? Like, exactly. Yeah, you, can, you can make the right read. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, the, it's not in the pocket. It doesn't yeah, matter. Not, it's, so it's making the read and, and executing at the end of the day, uh, which is what basketball is and sports is. So uh, that, to me, is an underrated quality. How to play. You know, see if a guy knows how to play the game. Is he making the right decisions, making the right reads? and then executing the play, especially in today's game where it's so random. You know, it's not as scripted as it once was. It's more off of actions and, um, you know, reactions as opposed to here's our set play. Um, And then defensively, guarding a closeout. Uh, I think that especially nowadays with the way they're playing offensively, spreading the court, um, everybody now has range from it seems like 30 feet, right? So it's spreading the defense out real thin. Um, guys are getting into the paint and creating long closeouts. As an offensive teacher, you want to teach the guys, at least in today's NBA, we want to create an advantage. The first advantage we can create is a drive, kick, long closeout. Guys that are able to guard those long closeouts are really, really elite. To be able to get a guy off the three-point line potentially and stay in front of them, I think is one of the hardest things on defense, maybe the hardest thing defensively. Well, that's why you see guys just getting blown by. And, you know, if you can get that initial drive kick, it's so hard to close out to a player. Um, Who's a guy or maybe a couple guys that you know that does a really good job of that so that we can watch them? Yeah. So, so we know what to watch for, you know, whenever we're watching a game. Yeah. So Dorian, I think Dorian's pretty good on it. Dor- Dorian's very good at moving his feet. Josh Reeves is somebody that we saw a little bit of that, you know, being able to cut guys off. Um, Maxi got a lot better at it last year. So Maxi's known for his rim protecting, mm-hmm. but I think specifically his closeouts got a little bit better last year. Dwight Powell is somebody whose closeouts have gotten a lot better. Uh, and he's, he's a bigger guy, right? So he's had to work a lot at, you know, get, lot getting blown by guards, right? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, there's, there's some elite defenders. One guy I remember seeing last year who's really good at it, who's not on the Mavericks, is uh, – well, he was at one point. Al Farouk Aminu. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was with the Blazers, right? AFA. I think Magic Chief. now. Magic now yeah, yeah, he's on the Magic. Um, he's a guy, when I was looking at players closing out, he's obviously a very versatile defender. He was great at it, you know, super long, and just being able to move his feet the right way. It's a technique thing, um, you know, more than it is, I think, maybe anything else, but just the, the ability to be able to do it. It's really, really difficult, and it's mm-hmm. an underrated skill for sure that a lot of people don't realize. One thing in the playoffs last year that I was like, I don't know how this guy is – playing so many minutes and so effective and uh having a couple different series but it's the guy that stuck always sticks out to me in this regard is uh pj tucker in terms of strength yep like i watch and i'm like how is that guy so effective defensively and how does he you know create space and still get a shot off and do whatever he wants offensively a lot of the time it's strength and right. i feel like dwight's become like a super freak in that that regard of yep. just you know what my body's not going to be the reason i'm not you know getting the places I want to get. And I feel like he handed that down to Maxi, and Maxi's like gun show last year. And now all the guys are like, might be glory muscles, but uh, you know, it's still, it's still strength overall. A lot of the dudes I'm like, when I watch PJ Tucker, I'm like, that guy's not that big of a person. He's not, you know, bulky. I feel like his core and his like, his butt and his hips are so freaking strong that you can just knock anybody off their path and you're not fouling them. 
you're just stronger than they are. Right. And you're way sturdier. And he's wide, too, and he's got those wide shoulders so he can get a shot off when he needs to. And that's like when you can't explain – to me, when I can't explain why a guy is so good. Yeah. And he just does dirty stuff, and it's just not dirty in like a poke your eyeball or something kind of way, but just getting tough rebounds. Yeah. Stopping drives, like on a dime. Like someone's yeah. driving at you, and it's like, boom, you yeah. just hit a wall. It's just overall strength. And a lot of guys don't want to put that time in. Don't yeah. want to work on, like, you know, your hip strength and stuff sure. like that. So that's the thing I always look for. So – uh, that's that's my little uh, that's my note for you, Bob. That's oh, you get stronger. Underrated. Get stronger. Oh, for me. Yeah, get stronger. I'm plenty strong. Look at this. Wiry. Yeah. Like call, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There yeah, we go. Yeah, I got you. I'm more in the Dorian school of yeah. You know, no, I'm, I'm with you. And you know, kind of, kind of that sort of thing. Sure. Yeah. Um, which uh, which guy in the Mavs roster is going to surprise people this year? Have kind of a blow up blow up year. Ooh. Uh, Seen Jalen Bronson work a little bit this summer. Um, we're seeing you yeah. uh, back in Lincolnshire, uh, yeah. the old stomping grounds. You know, we both went to Stevenson. I don't know if this is a biased point of view, but uh, <laughs> I was there helping him with his camp. We're both from the same hometown, like we mm-hmm. said, same high school we went to. And uh, just to see his work ethic every single day, you know, his professional approach that he takes. Obviously, we got a lot of new players this year. Um, you know, it remains to be seen how minutes are going to be allocated and whatnot. But, but he's somebody that nothing that kid does is going to surprise me. Uh, he works really, really hard, and a lot of the guys do. I don't mean to single him out. I've just been with him, I think, the most this summer, or seen him. Um, and he's, he's somebody that, you know, he could, he could be an all-star in four years, and it, it won't surprise me just because we've seen, like we said, the work underneath all the success, mm-hmm. you know, that a lot of people don't see. So um, I think Jalen, for sure, take care of his body. He looks bigger. He's stronger. He's faster. He's been in the weight room a little bit, so um, spending a few weeks working out with Team USA that'll help too. Just no question, exposed to that level of kind of competition for sure. And the thing is, you you know, if you if not only if you're exposed to that, but if you go there and and you do well, um, that builds confidence. And obviously, the confidence comes from the work. But when you have those moments, whether it's you know, a breakthrough moment in a game or a breakthrough, you know, two weeks that you spent with Team USA. Just to have that confidence that you did well is everything for a player. Obviously, you can't just go somewhere and get confidence. It, it comes with the work and the proper smart hard work. Um, and Jalen's done that to this point. But, you know, hopefully the experiences that he's had, uh, he's super humble. But you could tell he's got a little chip on his shoulder a little bit. Like he, in between the lines, he's a competitor. And he knows, like, that he belongs. And not just belongs. He he knows that he's got, you know, an extra gear. Again, you know, his ceiling is not the roof. I think it's <laughs> yes. I think it's a little bit higher than the roof. That's the second time we've made yeah. a reference. Yeah, so I like it. Yeah. Two for free. Yeah. Absolutely. There you go. What's your uh, Portillo's order? Italian beef. Italian beef? Italian beef okay. with uh, hot is that, peppers. Is that a pizza or a sandwich? No, it's like a... No, it's a sandwich. Come on, bro. Is, it uh, a, is, the one, is that just a Chicago <laughs> thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it, is Sorry, it the one, I didn't mean to attack you. Oh, is no. it the one on the croissant or is that a different thing? No, it's like, uh, it's like an Italian like roll mm-hmm. that like opens up kind of like a, a subish okay. sub type bread um you put the italian beef in there mm-hmm. and they got the uh, the au jus sauce that you can dip it in hot peppers um provolone cheese maybe some mozzarella team, cheese team spice yeah. he doesn't he doesn't like I spicy spicy yeah you could put regular peppers too oh okay yeah, yeah uh-huh. you could do that as well you could doctor up you don't have to what put about any peppers like uh, yeah yeah like potato chips or something <laughs> <laughs> you can have it with some potato chips right, on the side. Right, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, just just you know, plain, plain yeah. and dry. Yeah. I'm a I'm a pizza guy in Chicago though. Yeah. I haven't had Portillo's the last few times I've gone to Chicago. I've really? gone straight to the pizza spots. Yeah. Lumonati's. Lumonati's. Yeah. Uh, I just had that a couple days ago yeah. um, when I was waiting for my flight. Yeah. So Lumonati's, Giordano's is really good. Art of Pizza. Okay. Some of the best thin crust that I've ever had. Art of pizza. Yeah, so next time you okay. guys go to Chicago, Art of Pizza. Is uh, Where does Windy City Bulls play? Do they play in Chicago or is it in? Hoffman Estates, okay. which is, I'd say, 20, 25 minutes from the city without is, traffic. Is that near where you're from? I mean, is that going to kind of be homecoming if you all go there? Yeah, so that's about 25 minutes from where I grew up as okay. well, kind of like the midway point between uh, where I grew up in the city. Um, but we're not going to go there, unfortunately. The okay. schedule just came out, uh, so we don't make it to Chicago. We make it to Fort Wayne. I think you know, the, the dedicated <laughs> fam- close, right? the dedicated family will make a drive down yeah. to Fort Wayne yeah. for sure, which I think would be cool. Uh, they've done that before when I was in Bakersfield. Uh, but when I was an assistant with the Legends, we came to Chicago um, for a game against Windy City. It was their, Windy City. It was their inaugural season, and uh, there were about 
25 friends and family members there that came out to support and I was just an assistant coach at the time so I thought that was pretty cool for him to come I'm not doing anything yeah. you know that that like they see is entertaining during the game well coach no they see George. a really nice like you know blob play and they're like yes yeah yeah, yeah. Yes. I bet he yeah. taught him how to do that yeah. I bet he did <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah he probably told coach about that yeah but uh no it was it's good support from the family so you know love Chicago special it's place awesome. in my heart for sure um what team or player made you fall in love with basketball and the NBA when you were when it was little George? Yeah. So when I was younger, it was uh, the Chicago Bulls. You know, that's when they were winning championships at the time. So went to a lot of games with my dad, games that I don't even remember. You know, I was three, four years old. Uh, what I do remember was the 96 NBA Finals, the Bulls against the Sonics. My dad took me to game two. And I remember very vaguely when they did the opening introduction. And that was, you know, with the Bulls theme music and everything, mm. right? Everybody knows of the famous song, the famous announcer, you know, 6'6 six, six from North Carolina, yeah. Michael Jordan. Um, I just remember as a kid, it was so loud in that building. I couldn't hear my dad saying something next to me and he was screaming at the top of his lungs. And I just remember thinking at the time, like I said, very vaguely, how cool that was. And they won that game. And I just fell in love with that team. Um, I was a, I'm was i a lefty shooter, so Tony Kukoc was a big fan of mine, too. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, it was it was that team, you know, Michael Jordan, Tony Kukoc, uh, and those guys that you know made me fall in love with it. And my dad got me a basketball hoop when I was five, six years old on the driveway, and the rest is history. So Somewhere... 1500 miles south i was screaming for the sonics to win because oh there you go uh, i grew oh, up I'm a little bit older than you and only thing you ever heard about the nba growing up was michael jordan sure michael jordan michael jordan michael jordan and so i was looking for like a good rival and the sonics were the closest thing yeah and how could you just not love glove and they were sean awesome kemp. sean kemp deathless shrimp man dude. all those guys nate mcmillan was Her on that team hersey hersey, hersey hawkins, hawkins like yep. that was a squad dude and sean yeah. kemp i was obsessed with sean kemp Yep. I literally would like go on the driveway, lower the goal down to like nine feet and basically just like, yeah, like eight feet. Yeah. Like break my wrist trying to do Sean Kemp dunks yeah. all the time. So somewhere at the exact same moment, I was like, all right, Sonics, it's our year. <laughs> going to get Michael Jordan out of here. Never happened. He was an exciting player, man. Sean Dude. Kemp and all those guys. That team was good. George Carl was yep. a coach at that time. Um, I think they had. Terry Stotts, too, was an assistant coach really? for that yeah. team. I think so. Wow. I think Dwayne Casey yeah. was an assistant coach for that team, too. Really? Yeah. Way back in the day. Yeah, That yeah. was a squad. Yeah. No, they, had a, they squad, had a lot going yeah. on over there for sure. But yeah. um, that team didn't scare me. They can't scare <laughs> they the Bulls. Have. No, no, no. They shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah. They really shouldn't have. Yeah, now when you got, now when you, yeah, now when you got, now when you got Jordan and Pippen and Kukoc yeah. and all those guys, yeah. I mean, they were – that was an exciting team. That was an exciting, you know, eight-year stretch, whatever it was. Absolutely. Was that after the Jazz series? No, it was before. Before, okay. Yeah. yeah. I definitely remember being at my grandma's house and watching him push Byron Russell straight off, and I'm sitting there screaming at the Bow! TV. I'm like, no! On the last shot? No! Yeah, yeah, the Jazz. I, may, uh, I might be being biased, but I've gone back and watched it a <laughs> okay. lot. And if you watch what happens, Jordan drives. Uh-huh. He does put his hand mm -hmm. on, you know, his, his lower back, his backside, right. whatever, and he does make that motion. Right. But it really was the crossover yeah. more than anything that made him slip and not be able to recover. I've watched it a lot. When I'm you, sticking. I'm sticking to one it. Way yeah. And push. Yeah. Yeah. Someone might not strong fly. enough though. Not yeah, strong I, I just enough. don't know. Yeah. That's not. Like, he's a know. big dude. He's a big when you, dude. When you stop yeah. on a dime and you also push the opposite direction, no, you're basically you're basically doing what. Of, it was one of those. You're basically doing what James Harden did to Wes a couple years ago oh, on that way, that game winning possession. When he, he like, no. was holding on to like this, and he like, threw him forward and then stepped back. No. I was like, that was... But we're not mad about that anymore. No, not upset so about it at all. Not upset. I, did, I didn't care about the Jazz. I cared about the Sonics, but I was like, Jordan's going to get his. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. You got any more questions? Uh, no, that's man? it, man. We that's appreciate great. your time. Good yeah, luck this year so awesome much. Time. Camp is starting soon here in October, and then season opener, I believe, November 8th. And then 9th is the home opener. It's there a back-to-back -to, -back to open the season, Memphis Hustle. Against the same team. Yeah. The yeah. G League schedule is an interesting schedule. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It it's just a, is what it is. got to roll yeah. with it and yeah. take it day by day. A lot day. of home-and-homes, a lot of back-to-backs and yeah. all that stuff. And we're but flying commercial, uh, unlike the NBA. So we can't <laughs> fly out that night. we got to take those those early you know, 5 a.m. flights. So The day of the game. The day of the game. Every, 
Really? Yeah. Wow. So like we're we're gonna play the Memphis Hustle uh, on the road, you know, at their place, and then we're not able to take that late flight because there's no late flights like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna end up waking up probably at you oh know three thirty in the morning, getting the airport, Yoga? and then they're just gonna sleep and yeah. we'll run it back. You're gonna be on again. the same flight with them on the way back. You think? I don't know. Would that be awkward? That'd be a little weird. I cool? think everybody will just be sleeping in delirious <laughs> anyway. So, yeah. Just be like, yeah, whatever you got me last night. Whatever. Yeah. So, so every time we're on the team plane, just take a photo and send it to George. Oh, so he knows. The, fr- <laughs> the free food and, you know, the first class seating and Keep everything. Yeah, yeah. Here's a nice piece of fish, George. Yeah. I'll, sell, I'll show it to the players, is uh, what you guys are working towards. Yeah. yeah. Right here, someday you can anymore. be like these guys. Yeah, like Bobby and Mike. As Dwayne's, like, sleeping on my shoulder next to me. Like, that's awesome. Well, uh... Make sure and get up to Frisco. It is super entertaining. Yeah, those are a lot of fun. Legends game. Chile games are so much fun. They're going to be a really good team this year. Um, George is at the helm. I trust that guy. He's awesome. And we got some really good players. Reeves, maybe Roby stops down there for a minute. Uh, AC is super exciting to watch. So make sure everybody that's listening, get up to uh, Frisco for at least a couple games. It's the future of the team, man. It's It's the future of the team. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for the support. Yeah, really. Appreciate you guys. Thanks so much Good for having to see me. See you on. again, man. Thank you. Yeah.